Tips for effective conflict resolution. Do you ever struggle with situation where you are not able to communicate with people? Have you ever found it difficult to resolve a conflict at work or at home? Problems can fester and become toxic if people don't solve the conflict. And conflict resolution requires communication skills. But we're not born with them. We have to develop them. And so would you like to learn some practical tips for effective conflict resolution? Then you are in the right place. Give us thumbs up if you are interested in this topic. Welcome to Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, where you can learn tips for your mental fitness from our guest and me. And if this is the first time you are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina, and I have been helping people with stress, anxiety, and depression over the last 20 years. I've been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I started this program, Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, because I truly believe that a lot of mental suffering could be avoided with simple mind training. Here we share practical tips for your mental fitness so you don't have to suffer unnecessarily. If you are joining us live, you can ask the questions in the comment section. We cannot give treatment advice, but we can send reminders and resources. If you send us the word tech joyful to the number 38470. Again, the number is 38470 and you can send the text joyful. Great. Today, our guest is Marilyn McGuire. Thank you, Marilyn, for joining. My, indeed, my pleasure. Thank you. Marilyn McGuire is an international consultant and speaker, coach, author, and educator. Drawing from her 30 years of experience of, at different levels of education, including teacher, principal, professional development specialist, uh, leadership mentor, Marilyn helps people to be positive and productive problem solvers. She's currently writing a book that details how to positively address issues and help to rejuvenate organizations from family to boardroom. And so the purpose of this program is to bring health and happiness to a million people. So if you find any value in these programs, please like, subscribe, share. So more people could benefit from this program. So let's learn from Marilyn. So Marilyn, please tell us, how did this topic become important in your life? Well, as a principal and a teacher and a consultant, I found that a lot of the issues we were having ended up being conflict-based. And it conflict can paralyze a person. It can make the whole area be focused on what the issues are rather than solving the problems and meeting the needs of your clients. So the more I saw this kind of conflict, the more I wanted to do something about changing that so the group could be more collaborative. For example, one of the first things we did was say, you don't have to be friends. You just have to be good colleagues. And you don't have to necessarily like what I'm doing as my as your mother, but I love you and I'm doing it anyway. Those kinds of things. So if we don't address conflict, it can be very debilitating. It can destroy trust, could do all those kinds of things. So as I worked with groups, I found that if they learned about who they were and how they could work together from an individual basis, you start with the person and then it generalizes to the group then great things could happen. That's wonderful. Can you give us an example of somebody that you work with where they had to apply these tools that you're going to teach us today? Yes, early in my consulting, I was asked to go to a school district and work with a high school staff. 
when I got there, the high school staff said, we just kind of want to cannibalize each other. And they were <laughs> extremely accurate. And when your focus is on cannibalizing each other, boy, we see it today, nothing gets done. And a lot of nastiness happens that people feel very uh, upset about and lacking any power and all of those kinds of things. So we worked with them for several different sessions and they were able to turn it around to where they could collaborate and work well together, which allowed them to do the important work they were there to do. That's wonderful. Have you worked with somebody where they had to apply at home situation? Yes, I had one woman say to me, I am now going home to apologize to my husband because the same <laughs> skills that we're talking about in terms of how you talk to people and how you interact with people and how you look at, at the person in terms of understanding rather than judgment, all those things are very well done in the home as well. And yes, I've done that work with couples and with families and those kinds of things as well. Yeah, we would love to learn some tools that you help these people with. So once they applied these tools, how did it help them change or what kind of benefits did they see after applying this tool? Well, one of the ones I loved most is I worked with a transportation department that was full of bullying and nastiness and attacking people and behind the scenes intimidation and all kinds of awfulness. And we worked with how do we re remove that from their workplace? And as we worked together and made commitments and moved forward, they were able to treat each other with dignity and respect. They stopped the bullying kinds of things. And it, it allowed them, for example, instead of yelling at the superintendent, which was their normal thing to do, they said, could we please ask you a question? And the superintendent's going, what happened to these people? <laughs> so there, you can see a difference. A quick other example is I worked with a school district where they were fighting about a curriculum. And, and when we got together to find out what the real issue was, the real issue was the, the curriculum was scripted and they wanted to be professional and be asked what they thought. So when we found a way to get to that and be able to listen to each other, those things changed. That's wonderful. And I'm sure that woman had a better relationship after she talked to her husband. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Just crack me up. But all the same principles apply because we're human and yes. the human conflict, it doesn't have us. I mean, it may occur in a setting, but it's the same kind of thing. I'm not treated with respect. I don't know what to do. Someone's yelling at me, all those kinds of things. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So before we start going into the technique, let's ask the audience, can you think of someone that you find difficult to communicate with? And we're not going to ask the name of the person, but go ahead and put. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead and put in the comment, yes. So we know that you are thinking about somebody that you have difficulty communicating with. So you can start applying these tools as Marilyn teach us. So why don't you go ahead, Marilyn, while people are putting the, the yes in our comment section, what are some of the ground, you know, foundational principles that you talk about? The first foundational principle actually is respect. And something I learned in the process of doing this work is that I am in charge of whether I treat somebody with respect. It has nothing to do with their behavior. So I can treat someone with respect all the time, not to be a doormat, but to be clear. So let's, for example, think about talking to people instead of about them. And that is a respectful action. There are many ways that that can take form, but it's important to do it, even when we might be irritated or angry. Wonderful. What if somebody else is not respectful for us? 
Let me give you an example of that. Now, perhaps all of you have gone to Costco and experienced the wonderful parking lots where you're waiting while someone is kind of loading their car as if they're taking it for a, a large American ship to go abroad. They have that <laughs> much stuff. And so you're waiting patiently when someone comes around from the other side and grabs the space. Happens all the time. <laughs> Happens all the time. And how do we feel right now? Is it really about the space? It's not about the space. It's how you were treated. And yes, you're angry. And yes, the person was, in fact, quote unquote, a jerk. But nonetheless, you you have a choice then about what you're going to do. So you can treat that person with respect, even if you said, really, or whatever, and let him know that it was inappropriate. But you can still be respectful. And respect is, is allowing you to feel good about what your actions are and to not escalate the situation. You don't have control yeah. on what other people do, but you have control on how you respond to the situation. Right. All right. right. But so, we can influence others by our behavior. That's right, because it's a cycle, you know. So what's the second foundation? The second one is we want to know, know the difference between intent and behavior. So we judge ourselves by our intent. We judge others by their behavior. And when we judge, we cut off communication. And so instead of judging, we want to look at discernment. What's really going on with that person? What is really their intent? And there are the language with which we approach that. We sometimes think we know what someone's thinking, and we don't. And there could be all kinds of reasons for behaviors. Can you give us an example? Sure. Let's say you're driving on the I-5 corridor, which is never a fun experience, and someone <laughs> cuts you off. And your first thing usually is to suggest that that person is somehow lacking in intelligence or perhaps didn't have parents. And so consequently, you're now in an anger focus. But if we do that, and we do, we do that because we're thinking of something else or whatever. And when we do it, it was just a simple mistake. Right. So we want to give the grace to the other person and find out what the intent is. Now, maybe the person is a bad individual, but nonetheless, that's not important right now. The important part is to keep your own mental health safe and to be able to realize that you're not in charge of that. I remember when Jennifer James was talking on the radio and she said, I used to flip people off when they when they cut me off. And I realized I could be flipping off someone who's interviewing me on the radio. Since then, <laughs> I just said to myself, I bet that person is rushing to the bedside of a sick child and it made it a lot different. Right. So intent is really important. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens, you know, whatever, you know, somebody cut that, that is the fact that doesn't change, but the way you think affects your mental health and how you feel. So why suffer for no reason? If you exactly. have, it. and maybe there's a very good reason the the one in the car isn't one of them, but there may be a very good reason why someone thought that made sense at the time. That's right. That's right. So what's the third principle? The third is knowing the difference between impact and intent. Sometimes our intent can be very positive, but the impact on the other person could be very negative. For example, I would say to teachers, how would you feel if a principal said, what are some other ways you might motivate kids? Now, I might as a principal be thinking, let's broaden your repertoire of understandings. As a teacher, you're going, what did I miss? What didn't I do? I put everything I knew into that lesson and now there must be something wrong with it. So the impact on something always trumps the intent. And we want to be able to be clear that we want to align our intent and our impact. Right, right. And if it's okay with you, Rosina, I'd like to use you in an example. Sure. So let's say Rosina calls me doo-doo head because <laughs> I put goop in my hair that was not good. She never would do that. That's why I used her as an example. So she thinks it's hysterical. I don't. 
Now I could hold on to that. And that's what happens when we don't talk. It festers, it gets upsetting more and more. And pretty soon I'm gonna yell at her and she's going, what the heck happened here? So I have an obligation in the, in the positiveness of our relationship to talk to her. So I say, Rosina, I know you think it's funny to call me doo-doo head and I appreciate that you mean it in that way, but it's bucking the heck out of me and I don't even know why. And I would just ask you if you could possibly please call me something else, like maybe Marilyn. This is a wonderful suggestion. So you are, you're not saying you are a bad person. You are acknowledging that this person intent is good, but that it is bothering you. And you're actually giving suggestion of how you want that person to behave. That's an excellent. You're asking for the other person to do something. Now, let's say you said, it's just a joke for God's sake. Why are you all hippiecanorious about it? That's Irish for your guts in an uproar. <laughs> and remember that impact trumps intent. If it's impacting me, then it damages the relationship if we don't come together. That's so it's important that impact is considered in everything. Wonderful, wonderful. So what's the fourth principle? Well, there's a couple of things here, which is remembering that this is not going to help if you're going to be angry. So you cannot have a conversation with another person when you're angry. It, does, it makes it an attack. It's like trying to be funny when you're angry, it becomes sarcastic. So you cannot use anger at all. You have to get past the anger before you can have a conversation. Then the fifth one is know what you need from the other person. A lot of times you're angry. You have no idea. You're just mad. So you have to walk away and say, what is it that I would need that would solve this problem? Like I would need that. Well, and here's an example. Like my dad used to say to my mother, that dinner was a three or fair. And my mother, she wouldn't say three. He'd say that dinner was fair. Mom thought it was a three. He thought it was a seven. So we kind of have to get some understanding of what's really going on. So being able to communicate, not in anger, but to find out what, where people are coming from is really important. I need to know what I need from the other person. Don't use those numbers. Tell me what you think, that kind of thing. That's wonderful. Yeah, those are great yeah. principles to follow. Do you have a process that you can walk us through? And I'm trying to imagine somebody that it is hard to speak to, and I'll, I'll see if I can apply these principles. Let me ask audience, are you keeping the, that person's face in your mind and thinking through these steps as Marilyn is talking through? Again, go ahead and put yes over there in the comment section. And go ahead, Marilyn, what should be our first step? Well, this is called going to the source, which means we're going to the person who could best help us to resolve the problem. So the first thing is, this is a conversation because you value this relationship. You may not like this person, but this person is valuable in your life somewhere. So you want to reaffirm your commitment to the positive relationship. I really think our working together is important. So I, I want to talk to you about something that's in my way so we can move forward. I just did that with one of my best friends because we had, uh, I was reading something differently than she was intending. So I said, I have to talk to you about this. So reaffirming that you're very valuable to me or that your relationship in, at work is important to me is critical. And the second thing then is you identify in a non-threatening matter what's going on. So when you throw all your books in the room, it bothers me a lot because I can't find you in the room and there's food on the room and it's kind of filthy in here. So. We need to talk about how we can solve that. So non-threatening, you're not attacking. You're just saying, here's the issue. When you interrupt me when I'm talking at this meeting in the middle of my, my presentation, it throws me off and, and that doesn't help me a lot. So the third one is easy, ask for what you need. So could you not do that at that time? 
could you let me know why, by your famous look that I need to talk to you? <laughs> and then I will at the time that makes sense to me. So ask for what you need. And then four is let's make a commitment, a, a seek a mutual agreement kind of thing. So like, for example, I had a mom that was difficult, to, that would always have her child come home and would say, this is what happened. You're going to hear something different because at school, something different happens. But we can't fight with what did you hear? What did I hear? So I, I said to her, could we just agree? Because you're, we both care about her and we want her to do the very best. And you're going to hear something and I'm going to hear something. And neither of us are there. So can we share the information before we decide what to do? And that let us move forward as, as teammates and as colleagues and not as opponents in that section. So once we have that mutual agreement, we commit to moving forward and that we're going to, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we've agreed to. Here's what we're going to do. We're starting now. It's not going to be, oh, there you go again. You know, it's going to be, we're making a decision to move forward. And that helps us to get rid of what was wrong in the past and get, and, you know, it's like in your most intimate relationships, someone's upset somebody else at least once, perhaps once a day. That's and right. you can't hang on to that and have the relationship grow. So you have to be able to say, okay, let's move forward on this and, and not look back. It's time for us to learn from that and do something else. Mm-hmm. Then the last one is one I added after I worked with people because I think it's important to check back. These relationships are not one and done when you solve a problem. They continue to be necessary to nurture and do some relationship maintenance Let's say, think, for example, if a couple decided they were getting married and all they said was we love each other and had no other conversation, how long would you expect that to last? Not too long. (laughs) Not too long. Because even in your most intimate relationships, you have to have conversations about who we are and how do we handle this? And how did I feel when you did this? And how did you feel when I did that? All those kinds of things make the relationship stronger. So being able to have these conversations and move forward together makes the relationship stronger and you recommit to the importance of it as well. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So can you share these steps with us? Yes, there's a handout and I purposely put in the gift section one page because I think sometimes when you're working with communication, you can get all flustered with numbers of things. It lists the steps to help you do that. And I will tell you one important thing. The first step's the hardest. You first have to decide this relationship's worth and I can't just overlook this. I have to talk about it. And being able to know what you're going to say first is really important. And so that one is is key to the process. But the the handout you have has my contact information. So if you have information or questions, concerns, you certainly are welcome to call me. But it gives you the steps and a few key points. One of which is this is a two-way street. You have to be able to speak. You have to be able to listen to somebody else. So like Rosina, when I said, don't come, please don't call me a doo-doo head. She has to say, I'm willing to do that. Or my God, I had no idea that was upsetting to you. Of course I can do that. If someone asks you to do something that would help the relationship and you're able to do it and it doesn't run in the foul of anything you believe, that's something that might be important to do. Wonderful. But what if the other person is not responding? I want to resolve it. The other person doesn't want to resolve. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. This is not a one and done either. You continue to work with that person on the same kinds of things you've agreed with. You also influence the person by your respectful action and by not putting up with the behaviors that are inappropriate because you're teaching that person how to treat you. And so if they're disrespectful, you're saying, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. 
when we can have a respectful conversation. I am respectful of you. I expect you to be respectful of me. Let me know when we can do that. So your behavior influences that change. If it's something serious and you can't get a change in that behavior and the person refuses, it's time to call in some reinforcements. If you're at work, perhaps somebody at work who can help you with that. If you're at home, maybe counseling, that sort of thing, so that you know that the person knows you're serious and you are moving forward whether they are or not. That's wonderful. If you don't do that, it can really hurt you. So you want to make sure you're taking care of you. And in the process, frankly, you're taking care of the other person as well. That's right. That's right. And we can take some questions. If somebody has questions at this time, please go ahead and put it in the comment section. Meanwhile, can you tell us about your book? Yes. Well, you know, as you've had a long and, and great career, you kind of want to put the things that you have learned into a process. Somebody else can use it after you're not here. So I am using what I've learned to put a book together to help with team leadership. And that could be team leaders anywhere, home, everywhere. And we're really, I'm basically looking at three basic things. How do we repair something that isn't working anymore? How do we reset the process, the values, the purpose of our work, regardless of the setting? And then how do we rejuvenate this relationship or these relationships because they're the team things are just as important as the individual people. So I've been working on that and trying to put some of the things I know work into practice so others can use them on their own as well. That's wonderful. So before we go into the special of the day, do you have any take home message for our audience? It's important that, you know, our first response when we have conflict is to say, okay, well, I can handle this and I can get past it. Often that's the worst thing you can do. If you can have a relationship that says, I need to talk to you now. We all get a little <clears throat> verklempt about trying to do that. But it's important that we do because it really is communication, not confrontation. It really is the opportunity to say, let's get past this so our relationship is even stronger. Uh, at, in terms of how we do it. All of us, the, the only thing I will say to you is it doesn't work unless we do it. And the more you can practice and, and actually deal with that in a positive way, the better you're going to feel. And you don't have all that sleepless night and all that burden on top of you because you've taken appropriate action for yourself and for the other person. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I also want to remind people that next week, our topic is how to overcome childhood traumatic experiences. And so you'll hear from our guest, some of the tips from his upcoming book and workbook on that topic. So remember to join. And now it's time for the special. And you know, when you are stuck, you are, when you are having conflict, you feel stuck, right? Uh, do you ever feel stuck, Marilyn? all the time. Yes. The important part though is I have to say, okay, how do I get myself out of this stuckness? Wonderful, wonderful. So today's special, let's kind of talk about a technique that may help in those times when you feel stuck. And when you're feeling stuck, you know, people feel, some people feel angry, some people feel start crying, some people feel helpless. You kind of feel like a victim that things are not in your control. And so there's a technique that I had to use also in my life, and I've sh uh, shared it with many of my patients and friends, and it has helped a lot of people. And I call it self-dialogue. Would you like to learn it? Absolutely. Yeah. So once you'll apply, you'll feel that you'll be able to shift that 
victim thinking to empowered thinking of a victor. And so before we uh, before I share the technique, let me just tell you the story behind how this technique came to be. So one time I was seeing a patient, she was a nurse, and she's talking about how frustrated and stuck she feels although she loved her loves her profession but she feels like she doesn't have time for herself she didn't have time for her own self care and as i was helping her we were brainstorming you know you can do this and you can do that and as i was talking i was listening to my like you know telling myself rosina you need to hear yourself <laughs> sometimes we have to teach ourselves <laughs> Yeah because basically I was having backache at that time I needed to make an appointment I was feeling like you know if I cancel my patient's appointment I used to feel guilty so I wouldn't do that but at the same time I felt like I was stuck in the web of my own creation that I can't take care of myself. So uh, what I did was that weekend I sat down and started writing a self dialogue. It was a dialogue between me as a doctor and me as a patient and I was talking about all the problems and how the the feeling of stuck and anger and all the issues that I was going through. And so once I was able to spill that out then I had to say okay what are my options and um, and then if i do this this would happen if i do this this would happen and then i came up with an action plan and so once i came up with that action plan i felt like this big burden off my shoulder and i felt the relief and so since then i started teaching and so most of the time i tell people when they are in that situation i say okay if your best friend is in the exactly the same situation as you what would you advise and so we kind of follow these three questions so i invite you to think about one of your situation that you were stuck in and ask yourself what is the issue so the first question is what is the issue and validate because many times when we are helping other people we jump to okay what's the issue okay so what can you do about it instead have, have validate that feeling you know when you're talking to a friend how would you talk to a friend you say oh my god yeah that's frustrating i would feel the same way you're validating that feeling of frustration that it's okay to feel frustrated once the person is able to bring out whatever their feeling is then the second question you ask your friend is so what can you do what are your options and so the friend can say oh i can do I can do this I can go behind this person and and take care of this way or or I can do this and that and then you kind of discuss pros and cons right so if you do this this can help you or if you do this this can harm you so you kind of consider what what can help you or what can harm you and then once you go through those options you can ask the third question what section plan and if you are doing with yourself choose what your action plan is and commit to it so when you do these three questions what is the issue what is the uh, what are the options and what is the action plan 
then you can come out of that feeling of victimhood that I can't do anything about it. Like in case of the conflict, when you feel like, you know, you, you don't talk about it, then you feel this stuck and victim as if you can't do anything, helpless victim. But once you go through this process, okay, what are my options and what is my action plan? My option is to talk to this person and I am going to say this thing to overcome this con- uh, this conflict. Then you feel empowered. No, you can do something about it. And so next time you are in that situation, please apply this technique and let me know how it works. And remember, every day is a new opportunity. Even if you did a mistake before, even if something didn't work in the past, you have the new opportunity. Every day, keep getting better. Even if you get better 1%, just imagine how you feel in a few months. So keep trying, keep getting better. Stay safe and healthy. And till next time.